When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, podcast time. Let's do this. Okay. How are we, Tim? Um, I'm okay. I'm in the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container. Um, been called into active duty in the shipping container, so uh, I'm from London today. Uh, very nice. Have you been working this weekend? Uh, Bath. You were uh, no, Bath. Sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was Bath. Bath, Bath North <laughs> the Bath Northampton game on Friday night, yeah. Any good? It was a great game. It, it was, I, I didn't really see it. Good I've, game. I've been in Berlin. <laughs> I've no yeah. show off. Yeah, kind of a big deal. Uh, shall we... Oh, big, week, big weekend for German rugby. Huge weekend for German rugby. I go to Berlin once and Germany beat Romania. <laughs> Have you actually seen the game? No. Oh, it's a really good game as well. Really good game. Actually, shall we talk about this during the pod? Yes. Well, let's yeah, let's it. only talk about that and because there's not really any other rugby of note to, to talk about. So uh, get ready, everyone, for a one-hour breakdown of R- uh, Germany's victory over Romania. That's right. So met- met- metaphorical hand- hands in on three. One, two, three. Pod. Hello and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, a podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, filling in for Tim, who is in the shipping container. Hello again, Tim. <laughs> Hello, JB. And of course, there is Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. You can find us on Twitter at Rugby Podcast, and you can also leave us a review on iTunes. Do we have a uh, review this weekend, Tim? Oh, we certainly do. G uh, Man got in touch and said five stars. A Cheers. rugby podcast that isn't just ex players giving their standard rugby chat. Uh, great crack and lots of genuine laughs. English rugby heavy at times and lots of gushing about the Avicii Premiership, but you just can't beat it for quality debate, foresight and analysis. Keep it up, boys. Let the boys play. I'm thinking. I think in the the foresight he's talking about is uh, Ben Teo will never make an international rugby player. Your foresight, JB. I, I think, I think my foresight was there. Tim Swinson's going to make the Lions. <laughs> that's my foresight. <laughs> Hear me now, believe me later. <laughs> uh, and Ian in Cape Town uh, says this podcast forms the cornerstone nice. of his commute each Monday in Cape Town as he dodges Springbok war criminals. <laughs> he says more entertaining than replica podcasts. And he's, he's spelt more wrong, though. And maybe it's a South African thing. He spelt it M-O-O-R-E. Hmm. Anyway. Very, uh, very... Uh, he's, hmm. Interesting. He says, whilst um, more consistent than even sale with ball in hand. Uh, so thank you very much. Leave your reviews uh, on iTunes um, we are the original rugby podcast, 52 weeks a year. And remember, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Of we are blushing. Of uh, course. We're always here for you, talking rugby. 
Where do you want to start then, boys? Do you want to get straight into Romania, Germany? Well, you, you, were, you were on a... Was it a stag do you were on this weekend? Um, yes. Oh, yes. I went to Berlin. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Honestly, mate, Berlin, I'm not entirely sure why we didn't just give it to the Russians. Not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it is like being in the most depressing part of all the Bourne films. <laughs> Right, it's just uh, do, you, I, you've been, yeah. I, yeah, I've been to Berlin about four or five years ago. So I, I found it took. I was there for three days as well. Mm-hmm. It took me two days just to kind of understand where I roughly needed to be. Yeah, and then when I understood where I needed to be, I thought it was brilliant. But it, it was just enormous, and I just remember getting taxis all around, and couldn't. No one could really tell me where were the best places to to go. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I've got I her list from Time Out. Never trust bloggers. Never no, trust bloggers. Those timeout lists are Oh, my nonsense. God. Garbage. So we, we drove <laughs> 23 minutes into the middle of nowhere, like a horrible built-up area. Uh, and the bars that they selected were all closed, all closed <laughs> down. Uh, we then travelled back. And this is how seriously I take rugby podcasting. Take so it that seriously that I went home for the Ireland-Italy game. Went back to the hotel. Went back to the hotel, had a sleep. So I could watch England versus Wales fully focused. <laughs> How do you like that? Well, let's start as you were fully focused for it. Let's start there. Well, obviously on this podcast, it's been just a, an immense Six Nations tournament. It is the most wonderful time of the year, oh. uh, as we've already established. But I think it, it, no one would begrudge, as you, you being a Welshman, me and Phil being Englishmen, but I'm sure even neutrals or fans of Ireland... France, Italy, um, and well, have I missed a team out? Scotland. Uh, Scotland? Scotland. <laughs> Wouldn't begrudge uh, us starting with England-Wales. What a match. Oh, wow. I mean, it's just awesome. It was just absolutely awesome. Uh, I, what I have noticed, uh, like Wales have just got a core of players who kind of border on arrogant, I think. They're like chippy, arrogant, but they're really good. They are really good. And the guys I'm talking about... Reese Webb, who I thought was really, really solid, and I thought Dan Bigger was exceptional. Those two were exceptional. Um, Alan Wynne Jones, Liam Williams were also outstanding. Yep. Um, Ross Moriarty, the back row, yeah, oh. yeah, the back row as a unit. Moriarty, Tipperick, Warburton, and their dominance at the breakdown mm. um, was it eight turnovers to one or eight turnovers to two in that game to, to mm. in favour of Wales. That, okay, so I think that, it was the two because of that Sinclair one at the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the little yeah. T-Rex arms got in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that he was off his feet for that. Sure of it. I thought that was, uh, was penalty Wales. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was touch and go. But, uh, it's weird you mention the breakdown and the, penalty, uh, sorry, and the turnovers because when you watch it, you don't immediately think that Wales are the ones winning the breakdown battle. In fact, quite the opposite. I thought the England ball was so quick, particularly for the first 10 minutes. Um, Wales made a couple of big big, turno- big turnovers, but in general play, I thought Wales were really on the rack for large periods of time. Oh, it's interesting you get that perception mm-hmm. as, a, as a Welshman, because I almost I didn't have... get that. Yeah, I almost have the exact opposite. I thought England had a good 10-15 minute period at the start of the first half, and then towards the end, they came good. But besides that, it felt like it was all Wales. Yeah. You, you talked about um, arrogance, uh, JB, and, and I think I know what you mean. It's as like a in, strut to them. Yeah, they, they, and they kind of turn it on when it kind of matters and sort of 
peacock around a little bit. I know, I know what you're saying, but I would equally say that I think there's not enough arrogance with Wales, and that was perfectly illustrated for me by the by Rob Howley and Alan Wynne Jones after the game, who were both yeah talking about the pride and you know let's look at the positives and oh we mm. really pushed England hard there and that that is accurate but I would want a captain I would want Alan Wynne Jones absolutely seething barely able to speak if I were a Welsh fan about the pain that he has for that loss and I appreciate him being positive but just men- mentality wise I just wonder if that's why they lost it because they're wired maybe in its top down Rob mm. Howley down I don't know well, but they just seem to be wired where they were kind of satisfied with losing I'm not sure about that I mean if you just like you know the names I mentioned previously Webb Bigger Scott Williams Liam Williams they, they don't strike me as people that take losing particularly well but Alan Wynn's when Jones, it was striking the words he used in that. I didn't full, hear the interview in so. that full-time interview, and he was talking about how proud he was of the boys, how well they performed for seventy-six minutes, and it's it, it was astonishing to listen to a captain who's just lost in the last minute talking about those things rather than the devastation at that defeat. It, it was it was odd. It was an odd interview. He, he could have said he could have said having worked so hard. And played so well. I'm abs. I can't. I can barely speak. I'm that disappointed. Mm. He could have still emphasised that they did well, but it should have. Been, but it's like that. That kind of winning mentality, and maybe that's what. That's why England won. Is because they have that ruthlessness and that mentality that winning. It's winning is is everything. Okay. Well, can I throw a curveball at you then? Do you think that the passiveness of Alan Wynne Jones's interview at the end was Anything to do with this thing that Gatland has been saying that Alan Wynn is too passionate to be a captain? Uh, it, it that seems to contradict what we've just seen. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that is that was a knock on him. That's why he has captain Wales before, but Warburton has been the long-standing captain, and apparently the quote is he's too passionate. Well, I'll throw another little uh, potential in there. Could Alan Wynn Jones have been? being like that trying to emphasize the positives because in the back of his head he was like I didn't take the points why the hell did I not kick at sticks yeah um yeah that wasn't his uh echoes of Robshaw World Cup 2015 although this was Wales trying to establish more of a winning position not not just get a draw yeah I, I don't know really I I don't I don't think that was too bad a decision I mean to be fair they win this game they win this game if Jonathan Davis basically puts the ball out and they can structure some, some sort of exit plan rather than kicking it to Elliot Daly and you know letting it all crumble well, around them. There was a couple of things. There was that decision, which was odd for him to just to kick it kind of centre field. And there was the line-out before that. Well, one which after, didn't function. Yeah. Weirdly. After the bigger, the bigger break and chip through where Daly brilliantly tracks back and kicks it out, it's Wales' own line-out on England's 22. Yeah. And... They had a brain freeze moment like England did last week, but they had it at a time that really, really mattered. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Daly did so well again. I, I reckon we're going to see a transition for Daly now. I think they're going to move him to fullback. I am also thinking exactly that. Mm. Yes, uh, and on top of that, I think they're going to move him to fullback. I think Mike, Mike Brown's days are done now. 
because what you'd always see with Mike Brown is beating the first defender. I think he got tackled by Rob Evans at one point uh, as the, as that first defender. So I think Mike Brown is declining. I think they're going to move Elliot Daly in there, and that opens up another wing space for someone. Rocco, well, Watson, someone. if he's Watson, if he's yeah. up for oh, May. Bloody hell, yeah. If we want a bit of a Forrest Gumpest quality. <laughs> Too talented to be any good, mate. I've told you. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, like, well, okay, well, let's let, let's just put this in context. Would you say Wales lost that game? Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. What, 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 what's your reaction, JB? Because you seem to be kind of you're putting it down to a kick from Jonathan Davies. Yeah, I just think it's very tight margins. England definitely deserved the win. I don't think there's any two, two ways about that because they hung in there till the, very, till the very end. So they put themselves in the position to win a one-score game, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, but international rugby, tight margins, you get the kick wrong. Cuthbert's on the field, he gets the, he gets the kick chase slightly wrong. And, you know, back to Cuthbert, harder he tries, worse it gets. And... It just seems to be over and over, uh, over and over again. It's just these tight margins. So yeah, it is the kick chase that lost it, as far as I'm concerned. Just just on the the um, who who lost it? Or did Wales lose it? England win it? That try from England from it was not just Daly. So Ford takes the kick. He sets off at full pace. He throws a thirty yard pass to Owen Farrell, who sets off at full pace. Yeah. Who throws another thirty yard pass to Daly? Oh, an immense to, pass that was. Yeah. Those two passes in the 77th minute or 76th minute to do that after playing such a physical game because this was a brutal test match. It was, wasn't it? To perform at that highest level and for Daly to go in at the corner and then for Owen Farrell to slot the kick from the corner to mean a penalty would be no good to Wales, to to mean they had to score a try. That was just brilliant. That, That was kind of composure and finishing and skill set of the absolute highest order. So I do I don't think England played particularly well, but in that brief moment they showed why they deserved to win it. I'd love to know what would happen if you had uh, Bigger and Farrell on the same on the same team because they are carbon copies of each other. I mean, Far- Farrell Farrell's a better player. Farrell's a better more talented player. I think Bigger is he might even he might even be a better game manager and a better big game player than Farrell. I think what what I think basically possibly what's what's happened in these first two rounds is if if Warren Gatland was picking his tens for New Zealand, Ford is actually is the one that's dropped down the rankings and he's going to miss out. Yeah, completely agree. And, uh, and, uh, well, and I actually think that is not Ford's fault. I actually think it's down to Ben Young's not giving him good ball because mm. what uh, what Ford needs. We've seen we've seen the difference from having. Um, Stringer providing him the fastest possible ball from the base of the rook when they got to the final of the Premiership to then a combination of Matawalu and Chris Cook giving the pick-up and, and kind of shimmy and half-go and then giving for the ball yellow card man and ball at the same yeah. time it's, he needs fast crisp ball so I, I just wonder I was, I was considering the changes that England could make and I just but Danny wonder, Kerr's not the answer to that though is he? Well, he can do it, but they need to change it. They they do need someone who's going to give him that crisp ball, and then we, we'll really see how Ford can function. Mm. Yeah, uh, but, but I agree. Based on these two performances, he, Ford has dropped down that ten, 10 now, ranking. Let me ask you another question. A guy under a load of pressure this weekend was Rob Howley. How do you think that he did? What's his report card like? <sighs> There's a lot of positives 
for this. There is. On this Wales performance, a lot. Unfortunately, the biggest factor, the single biggest factor, is getting the win at home. Yeah. When you, with five minutes to go, you are leading. Mm. And he failed to do that. I've got to, and and let, let's, let's just take one thing that a lot of people have talked about. Um, I, I, what I would firstly say, I think, in terms of the evolution of Wales that, that everyone except for JB was calling for, for for years, months, years, um, I think you now would even have to accept JB that Wales have moved on and they are moving on and they needed to move Funny on. Funny you should mention this, actually. Funny you should mention this, because maybe, maybe you would have had a point... But this game was not the evolution of Wales. This was not free-flowing I th- rugby. I think it was. No, they, not... they were off, They were offloading, t- which I Wales actually... never did. Well, I was watching this game. I was thinking Jamie Roberts would actually make a huge... Not not an impact, because he's not an impact player. He shouldn't be on the bench. But if he'd have started, I think he'd have been incredibly effective in this um, in this game. So, mm. no, I, I, don't, I don't think that... You know, I think I'm not, this is a I'm not bad sure. example. W- w- Wales I'm... were showing a lot more attacking intent, um, which I think... To Rob Howley's sure credit, maybe some of the some of the things are bedding in. It was interesting after the game. Paul O'Connell said the interesting thing, as far as the Lions goes, is um, Warren Gatland's game plan, which um, Wales seemed to have moved away from. He said Warren Gatland's game plan is kind of good for a tour because any player can learn it in three days. Which has <laughs> got, got quite a funny reaction from the people around him. It sounded like a like a massive slam yeah. from Paul O'Connell. But it's, basically his point was it's just so... Wales. The way Wales played and have played under Gatland is so simple. Yeah. Um, and there was definitely a bit more subtlety from Wales, which I really enjoyed seeing. So that's to Howley's credit. But um, one thing a lot of Welsh fans have pointed out is was Moriarty just a kind of going through the motions, oh, I've planned to sub him on 50 minutes, so I'll take him off on 50 minutes. I think that's Regardless the of the fact he was having a massive impact on the game. Oh, he was, he was superb. And you know, another thing we should got to credit Howley with is I assume the game plan was to hit Nathan Hughes as hard and as often as you possibly could two up well, at like, the expense of someone else. Yeah, he Moriarty. could do with running a little bit lower sometimes. Could uh, In fact, a lot of the England players could do with running lower. Uh, him, Laws, Launchbury, Haskell, they run so upright. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I have seen Hughes getting a lot of stick the last few well, what hours, I guess, um, for not being good enough. I, I don't believe that that is the case at all, actually. I just think he was the main focus of the Welsh defence. Uh, because he was the main focus of the English attack, mm. because he was the carrier. So, have you seen the stats for Nathan Hughes and Moriarty in terms of carries and meters made? Mm. The two number eights. Moriarty defended brilliantly, but did not carry very well. Yeah, he made eleven carries for eleven meters. Not good. Not good. Fact. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Uh, 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 are we getting some feedback? We, we are getting, getting a bit of a, a, bit, a bit of echo. Oh, some, some right, okay. Sorry about that. Okay, there you go. that's my, that's me. That's my end. The shipping container playing up. Ah, right. Okay. Um, Nathan Hughes, who a lot of people did give some stick on Twitter, um, he made twenty-two carries for seventy-five meters. That's not bad. That is is very good. He was so he did carry upright at times and he got smashed a few times, hmm. but his work rate was immense. Actually, the most disappointing part of the English back row. Clifford. Clifford. Where was he? What did he now, do? So Clifford, so when England have got their full-strength team and you have 
you have Billy doing a lot of the carrying, but you have Mako Vanapola, who's like a secondary carrier. Exactly. Carrier. England had Jack Clifford, who is a six, seven, eight. He can play as an eight. He should have been carrying all day long. Do you know how many carries he made? I don't remember him making a single carry, to be fair. I'm not saying he didn't, but I can't remember him. Two carries for two metres. Really? Mm. And so that that meant that Nathan Hughes had to do all of the carrying. And yeah. Laws put his hands up a number of times. Launchbury put his hand up a number of times. But they're not. They're never going to make huge yards. Who would have predicted? Go back a year or more. Who would have predicted we'd firstly be in the situation where England have done sixteen on the bounce. But secondly, that the player they're missing above all others is well, no, Billy Van Apola, obviously. But how much that they're missing, Chris Robshaw. Robshaw. Yeah. And and Haskell. Cause he, yeah, cause definitely Haskell. He's come off the bench, but they are missing. They are missing Haskell. He, he gives you so much power and so, so he puts you on the front foot defensively. And his his work rate and what's impressed yeah, his work me, rate in his defence is outstanding. What has actually impressed me the last two weeks, and it's not something I've seen from him historically, but when he has come on, and it's probably because he's playing against tired legs, but he's carried well. Mm. He's actually given some go for. Well, he always he does carry hard. I mean, he's not. Nah, explo- he, he carries hard, and he and he'll get across the gain line by. A meter, but no more than that's that. all you need. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, and yeah. I'm agreeing with Phil. I'm mm. agreeing with Phil. I do wish he'd pull his socks up, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair, very fair. It bugs me. He looks so much better with socks pulled up. Players all do. Uh, he just he wants to put the maximum amount of skin on show that he can. <laughs> do we do we think going forward now we're going to see a different looking England team? Uh, do you think we're going to see the introduction of say Ben Tail? Big Benteo, BBT. Yeah, BBT. We've mentioned Deliot, Deliot, Elliot's daily to fullback. Um, yeah, well, I'll, 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 why don't I rattle through a few points that people have made on Twitter? On. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it. Ben Ben Tabman said, Danny Care should he start or is he better as an as, as an impact sub? Which would you go for if you had to pick right now? Just don't, we don't need a discussion. Just rattle through it. Ben, Care. ben Spencer, Care. <laughs> Care to start. Care to start for me as well. I, I would um, go Wigglesworth actually. Being serious, go on next. Wigglesworth, okay. Um, oh yeah, Robert Hirsch on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. How many positions should Elliot Daly start at the same time? Hashtag <laughs> all the skills. Uh, definitely thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. Maybe yeah. el- uh, no. Yeah. Jack Noel eleven. Elliot Daly thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Uh, can I just point something out about the England about the England backline now? Uh, I was talking to uh, a fullback. Uh, it was Chris Pennell, and he was giving a description of like how hard it is to defend as a fullback when you've got multiple kicking options. Because what they what they're trying to do a lot of the times is they say change, change the picture. So they'll go shallow, and then last minute they'll all go deep. So the fly half has got to change what he was previously doing, right? Yeah. Now I am going somewhere with this, which is multiple kicking options now in England. You've got Ford, you've got Farrell, you've got Daly. You know, uh, Watson can sort of kick at Mike, fullback. Mike, Mike Brown Mike has Brown. got an excellent left boot. Yeah. How hard must England be to to, 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 to position defend? your back three? Yeah. yeah. Something we've talked about for a long time, the one thing I love about the England squad at the minute, and this isn't Eddie Jones, this is just the players that have been developed and... You know, Stuart Lancaster should take as much credit for this as anybody. But we have players like Ben Smith, who can happily slot in in number of positions, or like Matt Gitto for Australia. These typically um, qualities you you associate with Southern Hemisphere sides, where they have just really amazing basic skills that mean they have and good rugby brains that they mean they can operate anywhere, which 
just opens up opportunities and it opens up possibilities. And England have that at the minute in a way that we've never had it before. Not since. Not Mike since. Cat. Yeah, Mike Cat, Austin Healy kind of time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very impressive. I think probably the most impressive thing is when I look back at this game, I remember a lot of Wales players playing very well, a lot of England players being underwhelming, and yet England can away with a win. Well, yeah. Can I point? Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on, Phil. No, I was just going to make the point, we'd, make the point. we'd uh, made last week, which is kind of the test of a team is not playing at your best, but still managing to grind out those victories. And the last two weeks, England, they could have been, because they were playing poorly, they could have been 10, 15 points down, but they never they never let the opposition get more than a score ahead, and they always kind of ground away and stayed in it. And that, that is impressive. Can I point out uh, one reason? I mean, uh, what were you like in that last five, ten minutes, Phil? Because oh, m- my oh. my daughter Connie just had, had to tell me to stop shouting. <laughs> that must be very annoying. That must have been. I can't imagine anything more annoying than being told to stop shouting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was I was watching it with my old man, um, and I was worried that one of us might have a heart attack. <laughs> 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 we were his edge of the seat stuff, certainly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, one reason that made it all the sweeter was this. This? This? Hold on. Did you see this? No, no. England! Oh, no, no, no. It's, oh, sorry. No, it's, oh, sorry. I've got the wrong one. It's this one. Did you see this? What's good about England? That that whole the Welsh advert that was banned. What's good about England? And it's just a load of well, different Welsh people just um yeah t- throwing their nose up. It got banned and uh, complaints and stuff. Do you know what? Some of these adverts that, that and Jonathan Davies being the most partisan commentator <laughs> uh, since Alan Quinlan and and Robson in that All Blacks uh, second test New, Ze- uh, New Zealand <laughs> Island some of these second are, test. Some of these Loved adverts it. right, which play up to Welsh nationalism, are some of the worst adverts I've ever seen. They've done one recently with Scott Quinnell, who trots, you know, he takes... I unleash the dragon! Yeah, he takes time out of his day, he gets on a bus, he travels all the way to Victoria Station, so he can press a little siren thing and tell, ev- tell everyone he's Welsh. They're all going to work, they, they, they simply don't care. And then they, you know, bring in some, some they bring in some, uh, uh, some choir. It's just awful. All Welsh-centric adverts tend to be really really bad because they make out that everyone in wales has nothing to do other than wait around for the six nations and that's it and hate england and hate england they might have a point (laughs) 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 well what did what did you think of i mean i have moaned in the past that uh pundits not having opinions so i i really like (laughs) it when people have uh opinions i'll tell you who was good today really good castanyed and blair it was it Mike Blair? Yeah, Mike Blair was. He good. was spot on. Mike Blair was very good. Um, yeah, it was. Actually, Castagna did make some good. Um, um, yeah, he did make some good points. Actually, we'll get we'll get onto that game in a second. But um, uh, what did you make of Jiffy? <laughs> I couldn't hear him because I was watching RTE. Ah, uh, I, I think they're both useless. Uh, I think Brian Moore is marginally better than Jiffy. Um, I actually. While they're useless individually, I actually think they make quite an entertaining double act. Mm. So I don't, I don't think they're very good, but I don't mind it if that makes any sense. Just because they're they're both almost as biased as one another. Um, Jiffy did have a few ludicrous moments, though. 
That when Shouting he's offside, offside at one point. Was, yeah. He's offside! He's offside! And then eventually when he they He sounded got... like Reese Webb. <laughs> yeah. Eventually when they got a replay and Brian Moore was like, look there, he's not offside. Oh yeah, he's not offside. Yeah. Br- brilliant, great analysis. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're both mailing it in, aren't they? I mean, they've both got... A re- the, the, a the analysis, that the effort... I mean, what I, I, I'm, I am completely biased, but I, I being part of... You know, and only a very small cog in an already established and brilliantly working BT Sport machine. So I'm very, very biased. But I think the coverage that they do is absolute light years ahead. Yes. Of where you've got to the do BBC your, are. You basically got hundred percent. You basically just got to do your work, haven't you? you? You've got to talk talk to the players, talk to the management, do your work, and find out exactly what you're talking about prior <laughs> to that, going to the that, game. That's what he's that little do. graphic, that graphics breakdown of the of the Welsh try, the, the Liam Williams uh, try <laughs> with Jonathan oh, Davies doing the graphics on the screen was amazing. I I, I love the um, angles of the eyes. I mean, where did you expect the eyes to be looking if his head's going forward? <laughs> the, the little eye, the vision cones. But Jiffy trying to work the computer to, to yeah. show this player here, this player, and he clicks three times on the grass and it just highlights three <laughs> three different <laughs> blades of grass. <laughs> and then finally, finally highlights Owen Farrell and they cut back to the game. Yeah, he's about to go, okay, so this is the moment. He's been clicking on the grass at all these places you go, and I don't know what you're doing here, drawing these weird, like, play school lines on the screen. Yeah. And then he says, and now, and just as the, they're about to run the tape, yeah. it cuts back to live action. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, oh dear. Let's, let's move on. Let's let's well, not talk well, not, about... well, not only that on the bit. I I genuinely think what might be happening is the bit the BBC might have actually got quite rusty at doing rugby because they don't do very much of it because th- th- there was loads of balls up with the scores as well in the Welsh game yeah. and in the Scotland France game they got they put the wrong team with the scoreboard They've a got bunch some, of times. Some intern doing the scoreboards. Yeah, yeah clearly they're, they're just not interested, are they? I mean, sport it just isn't on their isn't on their agenda. They want to do other things like uh, you know uh, ransom. Ram some sort of political ideology down your throat. It's <laughs> so far away from a priority for them. It's no wonder they're terrible at it. Um, so, Patrick Logan on Twitter said, "Is it time for JB to acknowledge the mighty power of BBT?" Uh, yeah. Well, is it? I want to see him start now. I want to see him start in a good team. See what he can do. You, you're just saying that because you want you're like you're like a British tabloid. You want to build him up just so you can knock him down. You're just waiting for a bad game. Uh, you put four. You give me far too much credit for how far I think about anything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jerome Gar says he's sort of been was loved and hated. I think the officiating was better in week two, definitely than week one. Oh, yeah. Um, not- I, th- I thought he let the boys play generally. Sometimes uh, there was elements where. Some of those touch and go tackles that might other other refs might have um, penalised or yellow carded with the new laws, and he just went, he just let the boys play, which I was all for. Yeah. Yeah. He also didn't seem to mind about you know the odd little knock on forward pass. It's crack on lads. Just just on that, I did think it was he did seem to be influenced by Webb and Alan Wynne Jones when they were calling for the TMO, like, yes, Webb, you're like right. Webb's try for example, where he said, "I've seen it and he was short," but Webb was mouthing off so he went and looked at the TMO but he didn't go back to the TMO for the Moriarty late hit on Farrell yeah um so I, I thought that was a bit odd a bit in- inconsistent I'd say yeah it, it, what I found it interesting um, I was sort of in two minds about that because obviously if Reese Webb had scored it would have been we'd have all been saying why didn't he just check it the technology's yeah, there yeah. just check it but being prompted by a player and then changing your mind about whether you're going to go to the TMO or not 
I don't mind it overly, but it's just where that could end up. Yeah, I, I, this is where my um, my law that if a player ch- chimes up and says call for the TMO, if that player is wrong, they get a yellow card. Yes. I love it. So they will only ever do it if they know they're 100% right. So all of a sudden, he would shut his mouth. Agreed. Um, Agreed. There was a game today, Wasps versus Exeter, and the ref was awesome. Like, I'm not sure if he got, and I don't mean his decision-making, I don't mean the way he interpreted the laws, the way he, the way he handled the administration of the laws. So immediately gave a penalty try, immediately gave someone a yellow card. Very decisive refing. Well, we, awesome. we can talk about that, and we can talk about um, some another, well, various other brilliant uh, Avicii Premiership games in the midweek domestic podcast. Absolutely, we can. Shall we talk about Scotland? Uh, yeah, you mentioned um, Thomas Castagnier was part of this yeah. uh, production. I agree. I particularly enjoyed his pronunciation of Swinson. Alex Cuthbert, oh, right. who we haven't <laughs> mentioned uh, and perhaps we should, but um, he, he, he pr- pronounces Cuthbert like you would pronounce Camembert. Oh, nice. Al- Alex Cuthbert. That's, a, that's such a better name as well, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And every, anyone else just get really hungry every time Goujon's name is mentioned. Yes. Ooh, I want some chicken nuggets. What's his name? The prop salami. S- S- Salim- what's his name? <laughs> Slimani. Slimani. <laughs> Chucky, I do get Chucky. hungry when, when I hear Chucky. So one of the things Custom had said, which I really liked, and I'd love to know if this is true. And it sounded true because the way he... It almost sounded like he knew this fact and he was saving it up and it was not related to the conversation and he threw it in. It's like kind of thing I would do. <laughs> um, he said that France want to keep their best props on the bench for the last 30 minutes. Yeah, I heard this. I, I hope that's true because I love that strategy. It's it, it's an interesting... Well, you can see they're starting with the biggest possible team they can, yeah. aren't they? Um, and then bringing the best, better scrummaging props. And but, God, it worked. Their mm. scrummaging for the last twenty, thirty minutes was astonishing. It was just penalty after penalty. I don't understand, right? Why they went for points? So, quite often, you see um, teams get criticised for not taking enough points. I don't know if you're that dominant in the in the scrum. You've got four, maybe the world's best props at the moment. I mean, they're that good. I mean, they even battered England, and England aren't a bad scrummaging team. Um, why don't you call for the scrummage over and over again? Because you Which, don't want your players in the loose because they're too big and fat. You don't want to limit the amount of scrums because that's where you're best. So why not keep going for the scrum and earning ye- earning yellow cards and beating people up? They did They did precisely that, didn't they? They, they had driving mall that was going mm. really well, won a penalty, another line out, won a penalty, then scrummed it twice, I think. Yeah, then and, not, and, they got, and they got and they kicked point from the pressure that that scrum put on them. So I would say, actually, yeah, yeah, if you were going to point one keep... area where, where the game was won and lost, it would... was the scrum. Yeah. yeah. Well, would you like to see... Um, sorry, would you rather choose three points or would you rather have the opposition have a yellow card? Uh, give me the points. Really? Particularly with... Because that was in a position where there was less than 10 minutes on the clock. Mm. And I think... Which they did eventually, but they, they had... They turned down about three opportunities for going for the for the posts before they eventually took it, um, and I was calling for them to take it take it earlier. 
Yeah, yeah. But... So we, we, we've, uh, I've mentioned in the past my disdain for, and we were talking last week about maybe the in the modern day rugby that the the buffest players on on the pitch will be props because the the shape that guys like Max Lahif are in. Yeah, now yeah. with oh, a really amazing amazing yeah. rig, uh, but being able to play prop. Uh, Adrian Moore tweeted us at Rugby Podcast and said, uh, "I imagine Awini uh, um, Antonio's." rippling the old school prop credentials every scrum as his shirt rides up his more to your liking yes <laughs> absolutely Rug- rugby rugby union props should be in shape that shape should be round yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love seeing the weenie antonio shirt lovely shirt by the way I, I couldn't decide for a while whether i loved or loathed that french change jersey hate it but i really like it i quite like it as well mm. uh, no i hate the current one and i hate the change one i think they're awful both of them their first, their f- main shirt is the wrong colour. Yep. But apart from that, I like it. Nope, not having it. Um, yeah, so another, th- so a few things about this were interesting. Uh, I thought Scotland did well, but I don't think they, I think they're going to get praised too much. I don't think that they looked after the ball nearly enough. They had a, t- a ton of turnovers. And France played a very peculiar way. They, they didn't run onto the ball hardly ever. There was lots of passing, but lots of static passing, which I find remarkable for a, prof- for a professional team. Well, I I disagree with that to a point. I think they did some of the very deep passing, but then they had periods of play where they were taking it to the line, taking contact, and then looking for the offloads. Mm, yeah. And that was the those were the periods of times yes. where they were the, they were their most effective. Yeah. So off a set play or say off a ruck, they would go to uh, Lopez, who then would be static. He, he he doesn't challenge the line. No, no, he doesn't at all. He then flings another pass to another guy who doesn't challenge the line. It takes usually one of the Fijian lads to say, right, time to go. And then when you go forward, that's when they start doing the offloading, which looks great. But for whatever yeah, reason I loved it is... It. I liked it that they were kind of sublime and they'd do this brilliant, mad, old-school French rugby offloading and then they'd just do something utterly ridiculous. I, I, that's how I want France. That's how France should play. Yeah. <laughs> There's something cool about France, isn't there? There's something cool about... Yeah. You know, they, the they need to be unpredictable and... and, like, have total brain farts sometimes and then just do something that no other team on earth could do. That's what I expect France to do, and I'll be disappointed if uh, if they do anything anything other than that, frankly. Uh, the one brain fart that's worth mentioning is Finn Russell. His conversion. What on earth? Oh, well, um, did you hear the commentary afterwards about this? Was he So the, the try had been scored, but there was a forward pass. Yeah. Is that what the thinking I... was? So he was trying to get the kick done as quickly as possible so they couldn't go to a TMO. Yeah, I... and, and the ball fell off the tee as he was rushing. Yeah, so I, I think the theory here is a little bit like in the NFL, do you know when they spike the ball? You can't, in the NFL, you can't review a play after, after the next play's been. Yeah. Okay? I think that's the theory with rugby, although I'm not sure that is a law. So he, wait, he, he rushed it, and I'm not entirely sure he'd have got any benefit out of it, even if it had worked. But... Nathan Hines runs on with the T, and he is apparently saying, "Take it quick, take it quick, take it quick," because they're worried about the the, T- the TMA overview. Yeah. So that but is in, what happened. In that scenario, just drop it, drop goal. Yeah. Why? Why even? Why even place the T? Mm. If that because that that is true. Once the kick, once the conversion has been taken, you can't go back. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, so it, is. it has happened a couple of times, um, and it's happened where the ref. The, the kicker is lined up to take the kick, and just before he's about to to start his run up, the TMO comes into the ref's ear and he says, "Hang on a second, let's go back." And the try gets disallowed. I see. Okay, well there you are then. So that's what happened. They tried to rush it, fell off the tee, and thank God they didn't lose by one point. That's what I'm saying. No, 
Mm-hmm. I so I thought Scotland played well in l- large parts of this game. I just so I think Scotland they did have a number of injuries throughout this game. I think they they had three head injury assessments throughout this game mm-hmm. and they lost a load of players particularly in the back. Um and th- a little bit on their lack of strength in depth but also a bit on the 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 strength in depth and the the size and strength of the French team. Mm. Part Phil, of... are you struggling to say the word depth, mate? Or is it, is it down the line that I can't hear you properly? Is that a word you struggle with? I think I'm saying it okay. I know I'm struggling to talk because I'm hungover. Depth. 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 Oh, no, you nailed it, mate. You nailed it. <laughs> Absolutely on the money. It must be the uh, leadline shipping container. I'm not coming through <laughs> quite as well. Leadline, safety first and foremost. Exactly. Shipping container slash bomb shelter, just in case. <laughs> What does lead line mean? You, you like you're a quantity surveyor, mate. You're t- I, I don't understand. I I I talk for a living. Uh, <laughs> um, well, lead line would be like to prevent radiation. I would assume it, it would be actually, in case yeah. of nuclear war. Yeah, there you go. Um, so just cool. in case. Um, yeah, I did. I, so I think if Scotland hadn't had so many injuries. Uh, and you saw it with their scrum going backwards at a rate, not towards the end. If they hadn't have had so many injuries and they had a bit more strength and depth, they could have won this. But unfortunately... Yeah, but, but, but I, I, we're getting into this. We're going if, if, if with Wales. If. if, if, if yeah. with Scotland. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Scotland have got a bad scrum. They've got an amazing back line. If... If they if they could scrummage, they'd be a, a match for absolutely anyone. But whilst they're walking backwards in the scrum, fortunately rugby yep. hasn't hasn't yet made the scrum. Um, it, it's still enough of a contest that it's really relevant. Yeah. They're not going to beat. They're not going to beat a top. They're not going to beat a South Africa in a World Cup or a New Zealand or an England or a France in a really really big game if they can't scrummage. You've, yeah. You, yeah you've, you're completely right. You've nailed it. Uh, WP Nell is a huge, huge loss. Yes. Um, still not recovered from his neck surgery. To South Africa. Uh, yeah, South <laughs> Africa. Well, isn't Alan, <laughs> isn't Dell also a South African? Is he? Yeah. And Strauss. Strauss is. Str- yeah, and there's someone else as well who <laughs> they are missing who is not South African, but they are, but they are missing him. Could it, right, so, so Finn Russell... Or um, Fun Russell, as he should be called, um, because he's just—he's he, a hoop when you're is watching he? it. So right. I, it, I'd be, you'd, you'd be jumping out your seat if you're a Scottish fan and, and pulling your hair out because in the space of 30 seconds, he made the wrong decision to kick low, which resulted in a charge down. Yep. He made a miracle offload, which gets a Scotland try under the post, and then missed the conversion directly from that kick. He's—he's um, he's an, an enigma, but... Ent- entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's box office entertainment. <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to put your life on him uh, as 10. 
But against New Zealand, the Lions are going to have to score tries. That's that's in his favour. That is true. Uh, and also, he should be playing in the same team as Tim Swinson. Let's just talk about that performance uh, <laughs> for a second. Try scoring yeah, he, 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 he try was in scoring. the right position and finished off a good Scottish move to score a try. What's yeah, sco- good. Let's, uh, Tim, but let's move Tim on. Tim Swinson, <laughs> box office. Like like Mario Toji, but better at rugby. That's how I'd describe him. <laughs> <laughs> second row, back row. Probably be captain, though. Uh, just going back to the Itoji thing, it, it wasn't sort of mentioned or highlighted much, but did you notice that Itoji had six on his back but was Packet. scrummaging at second row, caught all, all the on time, the flank? Though. Yeah, it wasn't all the time. It was only in certain scenarios. Yeah. And I couldn't work out why, because I, I think it, his laws, laws is taller and a little bit heavier than Itoji. Is he? He's definitely taller, yeah. He's definitely he, taller, yeah. I'm not sure he's heavier. Because he's, he's very slight. They're, we're both quite lean, aren't we? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't call him slight. <laughs> slight. Slight. No, he's, he's, he's oh, my tall goodness and... me. Slight is not he's the right very, word. He's very slight. No, no. For like, no for, uh, in rugby terms, okay, there's big. That's Mitch Lee's. There's then smaller no. and slight. Mitch uh, Lee's is enormous. Yeah. <laughs> there's a range of second rows. Slight on, is not and the right only, word. And on the second row <laughs> spectrum, he is slight. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, who'd be at the very bottom of that spectrum? I'm trying to think of the the bean poliest second row. Charteris, because like back back in the day, there was a Luke Charteris. Charteris yeah. back in the day before he got um, Charteris. Yeah, Charteris is like 130 kilograms, isn't it? Best part of. Yeah, but when he first showed up, there wasn't much of him. Yeah, maybe. Well, there was a lot of him. Very, you know, high, <laughs> tall, very long, <laughs> long dog. I'm telling you, he's seven foot. I've played in a team with him. He is seven foot. He just doesn't <laughs> like to admit it. And there you go. Who, who else is? Uh, we'll, we'll put that one out there then. At, at Rugby Podcast, we can update this on it. Who is the, if Mitch Lees, or there must be a bigger second row that's even chunkier. Yeah. Will Skelton. Takori. Something like that. Joe Takori's big boy. Skelton, big boy. Skelton's heavier, sure. Yeah. So one of that, who is the like the, the bean poliest quality second row? Charlie Matthews. <laughs> the, enforcer. <laughs> the enforcer. Yeah. Nonsense. Gaskell. Gaskell's a good shout. Yeah, see, he, he he's booked up a bit recently, though. Yeah, actually, these guys are massive. Yeah, if you see Gaskell, he is actually you know he's got big old thighs on him. Yeah, he's just he's just out of proportion, which makes him look strange. He's yeah, and he is he's got very long legs, hasn't he? Yeah. Gaskell. Yeah, so there you go. Interesting. It was a chat. top. It was a top kicking performance by Scotland. Not only was there the Finn Russell, uh, where he looked like he was trying to score a penalty kick in football under the bar. Uh, but there was um, there was the kick where it hit the crossbar. Yeah. There was there was a kick that hit the camera. Yeah. And then unfortunately they didn't manage to complete him doing left left post right post. But it's a pretty uh, pretty strong kicking effort from Scotland, uh, just in entertainment terms. Yeah, I think so. I think I they've been, it. I, I think they've been working on that all week, and it's probably something they'll work on during their off week as well. <laughs> I agree. I completely <laughs> agree. In ter- in terms of good kicking, we should get on to. Italy Island. Yes, let's do that. But before we do, um, would now be a good time to drop in a mid-roll, perhaps, JB? Yes. So, a lot of you are getting annoyed out there because we have adverts in the podcast which are dropped in by our partners over at Acast. So, they literally have an advert and they drop it in. Done. And we... It's, it's like a bit of... Well, basically, uh, we we have a little bit of real estate which Acast I can't wait for this. Uh, kind of own. They own, a, they own a little chunk of the podcast, if you like, and, uh, and they decide where they uh-huh. want to plonk, what plot they want to uh-huh. put it in this week. So um, it, has been, it does yeah. sound weird when it just pops up yeah. in mid-sentence, doesn't it? Yeah, so we're now going to tell you there's going to be an, an advert now 
and now the advert should be over. Now, that, if that works, we're going to do that every week. If it doesn't, there you go. It <laughs> yeah. hasn't worked. So please give us some uh, constructive criticism on, on Twitter about this, at Rugby Podcast. There you go. Now, bef- uh, before we go do, on, Phil. before we do as well, before we get into Ireland, Italy, we, we have also been sent in a brilliant quiz. Uh, so is now a good time to do this? Because it actually links quite nicely with the French team. Okay, let's do the the quiz, Ireland, Italy... The new rugby ele- elevator section, and we've got to talk about about Romania. Sounds good to me. Oh yeah, definitely. And I've I've got I've had a suggestion for um, a new crusade. If you if you think back that <laughs> we started the crusade to make, and it was particularly Six Nations captains that were the worst defenders at it, wearing trainers in promotional pictures. They still um, are. We started that campaign, and if you see a Canterbury photo shoot, you will never see a player in trainers, and true. we did that. Yeah. yeah. Small things, eh? Small things making a big difference. Uh, and then, what was another crusade? I can't remember. what We had another big one. Haven't you got that um, England for the English crusade going on at the yeah, moment? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're actually a good one to talk about crusades <laughs> with your um, your EDL-style selection policies. <laughs> I just want to maintain the integrity of what it means to, to, to be wear English. the rose or, or to, pull on, a, to just... pull on an international jersey of any shade. Yeah. <laughs> But right. yeah, all right. So, there's, there's, so we got we got loads of things on the agenda today. But I think I think now's a perfect time for a quiz, Phil. Okay. So Matt Phillips, uh, long time listener, has been in touch, and he's trying to beat the historic quiz that JB came up with: string, Springbok or Nazi war criminal. Mm-hmm. And what we have got is French number nine or French cheese for your wine. Oh, oh, exceptional! Uh, now this the, all... the, the, the Springbok v Nazi war criminal has become such a benchmark. We've <laughs> tr- there's been a number of efforts to try and emulate or surpass it. The efforts are always great, but it's never been done. Maybe this is the time. Ho- hopefully, maybe it, it it is a tall ass to try and beat Springbok on that Nazi war criminal. Nasty war criminal. <laughs> Nasty Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Right, here we go. And I'm going to channel my best Eddie Butler uh, impression as well for this. So, number one. Jean Brillat Savarine. Is he, or is that, a cheese to go with pâté or a nine to boss round fatties? Ah, nice. Jean Brillat Brillat Savarine. Uh, I believe he played for Beeritz in nineteen nineteen eighties. Tim, I'm go. I'll go for cheese then. <laughs> good, very good. Uh, Tim, you are correct. Oh, yes. I thought if I made up some more information about him, <laughs> it would change the facts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least convince Tim. Um, so it is a soft cow's milk cheese from Normandy. Oh wow. Next. Olivette, or Olivet, Sondre. Is, uh, is that made with milk from a goat? Uh-huh. Or someone who likes to showboat? Uh, I'll go first on this one. Far away. That is a cheese again. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, that is a scrum half who first started playing rugby for the French for the French Marines and ended up in Bordeaux uh, circa 1973 I can confirm 
Tim is correct again. Oh, this yes. is a nonsense, this quiz. It's a delicate cow's milk cheese from the Loire Valley. Fine, whatever. Next. <laughs> okay. L- Liliane Cambarabero. Right, okay. Is is that soft and creamy? <laughs> or does it have eyes that are dreamy? Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> JV, eyes that are dreamy for me, please. One of these has to be a scrum half. <laughs> Tim, what, what was the name again? Lillian Cambarabero. This guy fell out now, with his club I, president. I know there was definitely a Cambarabero that was a cheese. Definitely a scrum half and captain. I think he was the French international captain in the 1987 World Cup when they got to the final and lost to New Zealand, the very first World Cup. So. Or was he a 10? I'm pretty sure he was a halfback. But Canberra Barrow, French player, for so, certain. So we're, both, so we're both going for nines. Yeah, You're both going for nines. And I can confirm Canberra Barrow uh, debuted, uh, sorry, debuted on... Debuted? Debuted on 29th of November 1964. Wow. So same Canberra Barrow then. And his brother and father also played for France. Uh, so It could be that guy. R- rugby playing... F- Family. Oh no! Hold on, Canberra Barrow. Do you remember that incredible French try in like the might have been the early nineties? No. Um, when France scored, it might have been the Grand Slam year. Will Carling being carried off the pitch, that kind of thing. But France scored a try from beneath their own, beneath their own what? sticks. Was that Philippe the, Saint-Andre, 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 Saint-Andre But Canberra Barrow yeah. was in that team. There was a Canberra Barrow in that team. I think. Ah, okay. Castagnier might have even been in that era as well. Anyway, Cast- doesn't yeah. matter. I'm just trying to make up for the fact that I was so sure, but I knew who it was and I didn't. <laughs> sounds, like well, you, sounds like you got him. Or Rup- sort of got him. Yeah, Ruby playing family. So you, mm. you may well have done. Um, do next one. Tommy. Tommy Bouton. Tommy Bouton. Is uh, it. Cheese. Is it high in saturated fat or does it have <laughs> really bad chat? <laughs> <laughs> these, 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 these only get worse by the way they're pretty bad worse better cheese he plays uh, he played for um, uh, Montferrand before it became before the two clubs sort of came together the old Montferrand so Tim's saying number nine Jay you're saying a cheese yep Jay is correct yes 3-2 are you trying to psych me out Tim by adding these extra bits of detail yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's working. Okay. Next one. Honore. Honore La Fonte. My, my turn to go first. Go for yeah. um, so, uh, it. So I'm going for... Will um, this... Sorry, Tim. Will, will this give you nightmares if you eat it too late? Or is he unable to feed the ball in straight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honor, Honore La Fonte. I know, uh, I know he was... Like. He, he had um, only for France um, because um, Tim. No, oh, Tim's gone. So I will tell you right now <laughs> uh, that I'm here. Oh, oh, hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. I'm so here. What was your I answer? I said he was he was he was a French he was a French player, two caps, but he got caught. Uh, having it off with the coach's daughter and never played again. <laughs> uh, the old, uh, what was it? The name, the United player, Zahar with Moyles. <laughs> uh, Moyes' daughter. He's, 
He's, oh, he did a, yeah. yeah, he definitely did a Zaha. Um, yeah, Tim is right. He is a scrum half, but he's wrong about which scrum half he is. This guy actually had three caps, and he was part-time scrum half, full-time artist, sadly died of a cigarette accident, aged 32. <laughs> Uh, you are both correct. Yes, in yeah. the fact that he was a number nine, not the <laughs> not the auxiliary <laughs> details. Um, debuted in April 1926 against Wales. Wow. Okay, last two, and it's currently four three to Tim. Is it? I'm, I'm doing remarkably well. So, Eves Burgo Eves Burgoyne. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you want it on your plate or getting the ball from the number eight? I think this is a cheese. Eves Burgergoyne. Um I could just be really tight and just go to guarantee a win. Oh what the hell? Let's make it interesting. Player. Player? Player? <laughs> I can tell you. Tim, you are correct. Now, according to Matt Phillips, this gentleman, Eves, uh, debuted on 1st of January 1945. Wow. 1st of January 1945. Hang on, yeah. Against the British Army, apparently. Um, Were they not busy? Yeah, I'm sure they should be concentrating. Getting a a cap in that era doesn't count. So... Well, actually, so if it was 1st of January, they did have the historic uh, Christmas Day football games, didn't they? Well, yeah, they? exactly. So maybe this was a, a similar thing. So, I'll tell you about a team talk that I had once, one of my favourite ever team talks. And we were playing Bolton. I've never played Bolton before, for, for Broughton Park. And they were celebrating their centenary. This is twenty. This is 2015. Yeah. And our coach, Andy Doldry, got up and said, what kind of club... <laughs> what kind of club sets up during during a world war? We know what went on here. <laughs> we tried to do like the maths. Oh yeah. Ah, uh, very good. What was the, what's the insinuation? We know what went on here. What are they? What's the suggestion? Um, well, that they weren't fighting the war. They were um, they were playing rugby instead. Yeah. Hey, well, do you know what? If if uh, if there was a war and there was conscription and you were you were made to go, I. I take no... I'm not concerned at all in saying I would have been one of the people that just walked to the nearest prison and handed myself in. There'd be no way. I'm not fighting for Queen and Country, thank you very much. No chance. There you go. Uh, What would I do? As I'm told, because that's what I'm famous for doing, isn't it? (laughs) You do the exact opposite (laughs) of that. Uh, I would be doing what I'm told. I think I'd quite like to fight in a war. Uh, No, I think it'd be horrific. (laughs) Maybe maybe not the... Maybe not like... Do you know what would be my perfect job? Drone operator. <laughs> I, could, I could do that. Sit in a shipping container. Yeah. Speaking of drones, did you have you seen the uh, Brian Mujati drone incident? Uh, no. Where... Yeah, he he has a drone that he that he uses to get the aerial shots for his Life of Brian video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he he flies it around South Manchester. And what was the incident though, Phil? Well, th- there is one worrying incident that he seems to have got away with, where he was that he was flying over Manchester Airport at one point. What? But he, he seems to have completely got away with this. What? Um, he was over the apron of Manchester Airport. Like, no. Yes, honestly. That is highly illegal. I don't need to tell you that. Yes, I know that. Um, he got away with that one, but when he was in Toulon, 
he got arrested because he said he was flying waiting on the day of the game he was just having a wander around and he wanted to kind of fly about see the see the the city from the air or the town from the air and he said he flew over towards the um the dock area and came, kind of came over this horizon and all of a sudden was directly on top of a military training operation wow well it's a it's a military town isn't it yeah it's where they i think they keep their aircraft carrier there so he got arrested for that <laughs> lad Brian, Brian, Brian. he needs to be careful he does. Got he away with does. it. Well, uh, anyway, um, I've, I've got a mate. I was just, you were just saying about um, you'd like to fight in a war. I've got a mate who um, he was in the the army when he was young, and he, he works for Vodafone now. But that's as a result of him being a in the communications corps. And and he he said he was in the purple patch when there was absolutely nothing going on. So he spent about two years in Belize, and he had one hour's work a day to do, which was uh, basically just making sure a line was still open. And then he spent the rest of the time around the pool. And then he was in Northern Ireland, but um, when there was stuff going on there, but his only job was to be kind of the remote eyes and ears of the operatives who were going in and doing breaking into places and doing stuff. So he sounds like he had a pretty cushy job. So there are jobs out there that maybe you, you could do, Phil, that you might like to do, but no, you're all right. No, I want to be frontline charging at machine guns. No, drone please. operator. Uh, right. right, last last question. Tim has is already won. Is there we... any point in the last question? Because he's won. We've got one more. Go on, well, we might as well just do it because it's a very good quiz from Matt. Uh, so, Adele, Adele de Claron. Adele de Claron. <laughs> um, is, that is, it... is that is that is French for um, red Leicester cheddar? Is it something you want to lick, or can you do a good box kick? Uh, I'm going to say Adele is a box kicker, and Tim, you're saying cheese. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's uh, an English cheddar. It is a soft cow's milk cheese from Dubes. Hmm, I'd love to go to France and try all, all these cheeses. Yeah, me too. Quite hungry now. Um, so, Tim Cocker wins six three. Perfect. Yeah. There we go. Good work, Mike. Very uh, Matt. Matt. Phillip. Matt. Matt. Good work, Matt. And any, <laughs> if if anyone else would like to, like, where, where do we stand, boys? Is that 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 doesn't usurp? Unfortunately, it was very very good, but it doesn't usurp Springbok or Nazi War Criminal. That that is yeah. still yet to be done, isn't it? Yes, it will take some beating. I'd love to, I'd I'd love to see someone try. So oh, well, that's plenty. We'll try, Phil. Plenty. We'll try. Yeah, uh, well, let's do it. So if if you've got something to rival Springbok or Nazi War Criminal, please, please uh, get in touch at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. We're streaming there on Facebook Live. You can go back and watch the video of this, uh, see the Rugby Dungeon and all the rest of it. Um, now we've got other things uh, to deal with just very quickly then just let me set, sow the seed because we have been contacted about a possible crusade that we should be on and it's actually started by will carling um, but really? uh, our listener andrew foster has got in touch and said this should be your new crusade and will carling tweeted earlier today it's very old-fashioned but i really enjoyed listening to the anthems being sung by the stadiums in paris and cardiff with no singer twickenham take note so the crusade would be Twickenham, no singer for the anthems. Mm, no, no, I don't think so. Because I think, actually, some of the, sometimes the singers are good. Uh, the English national anthem isn't particularly stirring, but I do sometimes get rather excited by the uh, singers that they bring in. Uh, Catherine, what is a sporting event without Catherine Jenkins? <laughs> well, so, uh, ask David Beckham what he thinks of Catherine Jenkins. Ooh... 
I don't no, 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 that's not that they've been hooked up. It's that he he was that was one of the people David Beckham was kicking off about oh, that, that yeah. got so, an MBE or whatever, and he didn't get his knighthood. Yes. Oh right. Oh, I see. Did not know. That. Did not know that. Uh, so do I think singers? No, I. And also, there are some anthems you simply can't do without a singer. American anthem, Australian anthem. So mm. don't, uh, don't mind. Yeah, I'm less less bothered about this. I would say. All right, fine. Do, if we're I, not going to pick it up as a crusade, Andrew, but thanks for getting in touch. Well, one thing that we did start as a crusade is our uh, effort to try and shine a light and try and do what we can from our little podcast that we have here and our group of listeners to to do something for Tier 2 rugby. So here we are, Ireland versus Italy, yeah? <laughs> we just don't, don't want to talk about Romania. <laughs> joking, mate. <laughs> All right. Oh, I see. Sorry. I thought, I thought, I thought I'd broken up again. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. well, okay. So, as in Germany, the news came through via via the Twitter sphere, and um, I had to watch this game. So I sat down and watched it today. It was really, really good. Now, the first thing that you should know is you can watch this as a rugby fan, and it is a genuinely high quality game. So do you know when you watch like do you you'd watch periods of France game today, and you'd say France look completely completely incompetent when they're standing still, passing the ball side to side. This doesn't. This simply didn't happen in the Romania uh, G- Germany game. Also, remember Germany are not a tier two nation; they are a tier three nation. Wow! So this is the first win Germany have had over Romania, I think, since the end of the Second World War. It's a big, big deal. And uh, Germany were at one point eighteen points down coming into half time. And they still turned it around. It's really good. So the, uh, the set piece was solid. Uh, the defence looked pretty... Uh, sometimes it looked a, a little weak, but ov- overall it was very, very well organised. And just, the general sound of the play was very impressive. So you're looking forward even more now to our trip out to Romania? Yes, absolutely. If Georgia and Romania can like maintain those sorts, sorts of levels, it's going to be a cracking game. Well, but it is yeah, worth I'm, watching. But... I mean, I was watching... I was dual screening. I had Wasps and Worcester... Sorry, Wasps and Exeter going on. And I can honestly say the Romania game was a better game to watch than the Wasps game. Whoa, that's a massive statement. We'll get onto that in the midweek domestic podcast, that particular one. I mean, yes, I am looking forward to seeing Romania v Georgia. Absolutely looking forward to the rugby. I'm also looking forward to an amazing weekend. And so are over 100 Egg Chasers listeners. We have been blown away by the number of people that are coming on this, um, this journey with us uh, despite all the talk of revolution and uh, rioting in Romania um, which there has been this week did you see all that yes, yes. I'm keeping a very close eye on it um, yeah I don't know whether to be worried or excited about um, low-level bribery being uh, decriminalized because perhaps it gives us a big opportunity exactly right mate I mean yeah with the exchange rate and everything else it'd be fine <laughs> um, yeah uh, it's well, who knows? We will find out. <laughs> but we have got over 100 people going, which is superb. I can't believe it. It's very, very exciting. And the whole weekend will be absolutely brilliant. It's very exciting. It's incredibly nerve-wracking. But it's lucky we've done loads of these live shows and we know exactly what we're doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're, all, we're pros at the live shows. We've te- Technically, we've done it so many times to iron out all the kinks and all the problems that there'll be there's no chance of anything going wrong. Yes. Yeah. It will be a very, very fun weekend. So we would still say, and we're, we're looking at other options because there's already more. We, we booked a venue for the podcast 
half expecting it to be us and maybe 10 other people. 20, yeah, 20 um, people. We'd, we'd bring 10 of our friends, uh, well, including us, and then maybe 10 others might come in. And um, we sold but, all of our tickets. But due to, in two uh, hours. They do have, they, they might have low level bribery, but they also have health and safety laws in, in Romania. <laughs> and for that reason, got as many people into the venue as we can uh, there are there is more people that would want to come and hang out hang out and be part of a live podcast than we can accommodate due to uh, the demand we did not anticipate yeah. uh, and we're delighted about as a result we're looking at other things we can do um around the match itself um either side of or after the game or whatever that we can do that that, that will make it um other kind of events or but regardless brilliant city Loads of people there will be watching Six Nations on the Saturday, watching Romania, Georgia on the Sunday and having a bunch of beers and, and having a good crack. So it'll be well worth the trip. Looking forward to meeting you all. Ireland, Italy. Yes. Uh, what do you want to say about this? I'll tell you what I thought about this. I watched 20 minutes of it. It looked like a complete mismatch. Italy, or still a bit of a joke, went went, uh, went to sleep. You? Uh, watched it all was very disappointed in the way that Italy kind of capitulated towards the end. Mm. So first half it was kind of as expected. Ireland Ireland played very very well. They came out of the blocks exactly as we said that we would. But Italy put up a good good fight. Um the last 20 minutes Italy it looked like they just gave up. Yeah. Um the Gilroy hat-trick. He came on with 20 minutes to go and scored a hat-trick. And a couple of those, it really looked like the Italian team weren't bothering. They yeah, just switched off. And that's that's the most frustrating thing. I don't know if it's, a, if it's like a team culture that they've got, but they seem very adverse to trying hard. Um, but the, well, the first half against Wales, they tried very... They were they were good. Yeah. But, but yeah, they have switched off. So, people keep talking, don't they, about the relegation promotion from the Six Nations... You can, and you, you re, which you repeatedly will not have any any part of. Well, it won't even, won't even consider it. But I would consider kicking out Italy altogether, uh, reducing the number of games, going back to five nations. And you know, if you look at the Romania Georgia game, sorry, Romania Germany game, that's exactly why you shouldn't be cherry picking the best from the European Nations Cup and moving them into Six Nations, because who would Germany have played against? But I actually think Italy stepping down a level. Going to play Georgia and getting beaten by Georgia every, every year and having a close game with Romania and watching the Germans gradually improve and having that rivalry in that, in that tournament would probably be better for the game. It'd certainly be better for the na- for the nations playing in the, in the European in the sorry in the level below the Six Nations. Well, uh, do you know what? I would I would go with you on that one, JB. If if it isn't a case of casting those sides adrift and and if it was part of a, a more structured say three teams of five mm. three three tiers uh five teams in each um maybe you would have to have a playoff between bottom and top no. uh, so that you no, can, so you can aspire to be in the in uh, at the top table but if all of the money from the television which will undoubtedly get masses was spread more evenly, so you could develop no. the game. Then I would go no, no, with you. No, 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 no. So this is where you, this is where you're not thinking right. Uh, think about it like this: it's more like a, American college sport, where you have a conference and you always stay in your conference, and that, those are the rivalries that that bringing you bring you the money, and those are the fun games. The autumns, everyone can play ev- everyone else, and World Cups, everyone can play everyone else. But the reason you want it wants it stretched like this is. Think about how awful World Cup qualification is in football. How naff it is. How 
football fans would kill for Six Nations like a rugby Six Nations. So you can't be diluting it with you know extra rules and relegation and promotion and different teams and smashing up the the historic matchups. What you can do is you can make an equal co- uh, competition next door to it, which will be ju- just as lucrative eventually. Well, so. The equal competition is lucrative. Don't give me that. Why? You've got Germany in there. You've got Italy in there. It's going to take time, but it, it, it could be. It, well, I think I think you need to bring it all under one structure, like Tim said. And whether you have it as fi- to pools of five or pools of six, whatever hmm. it is, I'm I'm a bit indifferent about that. But I am all for having it all under one structure and televising all the games, but then giving every nation a share of that television yeah, money. It doesn't necessarily need to be an equal share, yeah. but it needs to be a share of that overall yeah, I don't think money, money is the money is not the big thing here, because there's quite a lot of money. And also, don't forget... I, d- I don't know how much money there is at this level below. Uh, no, no, but there's a lot of funding going in from World Rugby to Tier 2s now. It, it, not a huge amount, but a lot. Then They're not being left on their own. So, uh, yeah, it, it's already happening. Yeah, mate, you've, but there's no professional domestic structures in these places there's 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 no infrastructure there's it's um i know it's small steps but i almost i would want a disproportionate amount to go lower down and be spread around it's um yeah it will benefit everyone in the long term if you want to talk about the long term you could go yeah well let's see if belgium and germany can can slowly grow themselves up or you could actually well, no, no, because team you know, belgium and team tr- germany can because you can you can find 15 players that can play at a relatively good level who will be German qualified. That's not a problem. You wouldn't be able just to throw some money at the German club structure and have a fully professional league. That's got to be... No, I'm not suggesting you do, but you could like um, you could have one team that, that is in a, 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 a lower French league or yeah. a Pro 12B or whatever it would be. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. But absolutely there's, there's, it's got to be more thought out and, and a much longer-term approach... Um, thought about I agree with you on the long term but I don't agree with you on the long term of I'll just let them play each other and see if they can get better Pro 12 B B might be interesting Uh, yeah I think that Uh, one team from Belgium two or three from Germany Mm. a couple from Romania a couple from Georgia a couple from Russia exactly but they've got and they can aspire to be up if they earn the yeah the right there yeah, and you know, well, if these teams are good enough, it will eventually sort itself out. Internationally, they are definitely going in in the right direction. Definitely, you just need to watch this game. And you think, oh, yeah, these are these look like professional players, even though they're probably not, but they look like professional players playing at a high standard. Uh, Italy, Ireland. Uh, can I? Uh, <laughs> Roars on Twitter. Long time listener said, um, "Is CJ Stander Parise with hair?" <laughs> wow! Well, um, I would say on that. I would say on that one. Both outstanding talismanic uh, figures in the back row, and both have equal amounts of Irish heritage. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, good. <laughs> um, I would say no, for the simple reason that uh, Parise's hands are truly exceptional, and, and his kicking is pretty good. His kicking's okay. <laughs> his uh, kick when, is good. When you um, CJ Stander got an assist from a kick. At the weekend, did he? It was a terrible kick. It was like an unusual half crossfield, half bomb that uh, the Italian defenders didn't want to deal with, and Gilroy just picked up and went forty yards. But no, the the difference is Parise's hands, and Ireland have the handling in their back row because they've got uh, he slip in there. Um, CJ Standard 
doesn't give that ha- the same level of handling skill. No, you're probably right there. Uh, it, is there uh, anything you can one ta- little fact? Go on. Oh, sorry, go on, Jay. I'm gonna say, is there anything you can take from this game that, well, anything you've learned from this island game, which we didn't know about Ireland prior to it? No, no, agreed. Right, now, now, Scannell's a, a competent hooker. Yeah, we knew he's kind of. Competent, yeah, we knew that. Yeah, he's in his squad. He'd have to be. Um, th- there was one thing that um, th- a, a tweet we got sent made me chuckle. So it was a, a, a link to an article which says. CJ Stander becomes the first Irish forward to score a hat-trick since Keith Wood in 1999, um, wow. which is a little fact for you there. But um, Rob Hirsch on Twitter said, uh, Cocker, should this, instead of reading Irish forward, read forward who plays for Ireland, hashtag rugby UKIP? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. I'm getting a bit of stick for this. I didn't, I didn't imagine it would turn out like this. No, no, the, the road to hell is paved, paved with good intentions, Tim. <laughs> um, no, right. we didn't, the answer to your question, JB, is no, we, we, we didn't learn a great... We didn't learn anything. And Yeah, you're right. Good. Islander back, Islander back on the horse, and I think what was smart was not dropping the players who played poorly the previous week yeah. because this was a perfect opportunity to just retain their confidence and um, and let them show it was just a blip. Yeah, perfect I tend, game I tend, to follow that Scottish one. I tend to agree with you. Well, you said you didn't learn anything about Ireland. Would you like to know or learn something about many other clubs? Uh, yes. Tim? Yes. Well, I've come up with a new little feature called the rugby ele- the rugby elevator, where I basically because we've had loads of requests recently about can you help uh, plug this, can you help plug that? I thought, oh, well, I might actually make it into a proper kind of section. So if you've got any requests, if you want us to publicise anything to do with your club, let us know. We'll read it out now. And this is the rugby elevator where we go and visit different levels in rugby. Do, do you like we that? Dis- oh, we descend through the different levels in rugby. Yes. Genius, JB. That is genius. It does It does strike me as a little patronising. But I like it. Yeah. So if you want to just come in a bit closer, jump on the jump into the elevator. Squeeze in tight. Pull my finger, Phil. <laughs> uh, you'll notice I've got my elevator music. Very nice. So here we go, then. Uh, these are some events going on in rugby clubs near you. On 5th of March, Aylesbury Rugby Club are inviting the French under-18s to play England under-18s. North Dorset Sevens has... Hold a... on, hold on, hold on. So Sorry. when you say... You, you made it sound like they've just... they've just oh, they've, Aylesbury Rugby Club have just sorted this fixture out themselves. They've just said, I'll tell you what, France, do you want to send a team? We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll cobble together some English clubs. I assume this is like a proper Six Nations match. Uh, I assume it's something to do with Six Nations, but it's held, it's held by Aylesbury, who are, men, who are doing a big event out of the whole thing, so why not? Good job, Aylesbury. There you go. Yeah. Can I turn my music back on, though? Yes, please. There you go. You can keep your music on as much as you want. It's catchy, isn't it? Uh, North Dorset Sevens are raising 5k for the cardiac charity Cry. That will be given to them as it's their fifth anniversary. Uh, England 20s are playing at Moden Park on the 24th of February. Watford RFC have got a Junior and Minis introduction weekend. That's 25th of of February. Uh, Stafford are getting a new clubhouse. And (laughs) my personal favourite is the Gazelles Ladies Team team Lunch is in Guildford Rugby Club on the 19th of February. And these girls look quite good. I think they've won the last uh, couple of leagues that they've been in. So there you go. That is some things going on in rugby clubs near you. So if you're around a rugby my, club, my go and visit one. My experience of women's rugby teams is that they oh god, put oh god, to shame with the stories they could tell after nights out. Oh, I've got a cracking one about um, women. Uh, I'll just turn off the, the elevator music. 
Yeah, I've got a cracking one about uh, crew in Nantwich. Women's rugby team? Yeah. Is it one that you can tell on the podcast? Yeah, I think it is, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, we were playing crew in Nantwich, and we were chatting to the lads afterwards in um, in the showers, and one of them said that there was a mixed tournament at crew in Nantwich, a mixed sevens tournament. And uh, as they were all, like, soaping up, uh, he was saying, oh, yeah, and all the lads were being dead rowdy, going, yeah, and, and we'll go, you know, drink some lager, lads, 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 uh, so on and so forth. And then the women's rugby team walked in and they became incredibly shy and all skulked off. <laughs> <laughs> Banter stopped. In, in that same sort of area, crew in Nantwich, I'm sure there was a story about uh, a former captain of Sandbatch as well. Oh, yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I, I know all about that. Um, it's, no, it's a sandbatch. No, Lim, the Lim Hooker. <laughs> if you don't know what, <laughs> if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, what is the program, Tim? Oh, I can't remember what it was called. It's like Rugby Lads Uncovered or something. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you any more about this because I don't. You, you can work it out if you really want to find out the guy. You can work it out. But uh, well, what, what could we say that's a bit of a hint? So it, it, it went undercover and just did a documentary on this rugby team, and one of the guys in particular turns out um, he was an he was a filmmaker. Yeah, filmmaker. I played against the guy. Good, <laughs> really good hooker, actually. A uh, filmmaker in the same manner as which James Haskell. Uh, and he also, sorry, and he also played Jones. hooker, JB. Yes, he did. Um, Paul <laughs> Doran Jones. Yes, that's kind of that, that kind, kind of film. That yeah, kind of filmmaking. Kind of film. Haskell and Paul D- Doran Jones. Yeah, yeah, it's on. It's on a YouTube documentary somewhere. So go and look at, look at that. <laughs> Safe so search on. We've gone. Well, that's good, isn't it? We we tried to do a nice section about community rugby, uh, <laughs> like minis weekend. And it ends up uh, being about filmmaking in the <laughs> Brilliant. We'll we'll rework this one for next week. <laughs> it's first time round. You can't get it right straight away. Exactly. Uh, I'll be back in one minute. You guys carry on. Uh, we're, uh, we're done here, mate. We've got... Oh, no, because there's no games next week to talk about. We'll do yeah. that next week. Exactly. Yeah. All left, oh, yeah, of course. All there's left to do now is tell you that on Tuesday night we're going to be recording the Midweek Domestic Podcast we're going to talk about all things sail sharks, and that's about it. And uh, <laughs> we will catch you there. So be be waiting. It will be downloading onto your device Wednesday morning. Is that right, chaps? That is correct. If you subscribe, if you subscribe, just hit that little subscribe button, and then you will be, yeah. Exactly right, mate. Exactly right. Don't okay. Work. All right, well, until Wednesday, let the boys play, and I'll see you then. Thank you, Let Judy. the boys play. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.